If you got your Bible this morning, open it up to... We're going to start in John 3.16 this morning. We're in the last week of uh, the series that we've called Focus. And we take this time every year just to get refocused. Because sometimes you go through the summer slump or you go through the summer or whatever. You're out of pocket all over the place. And we just take a few weeks at the beginning of the school year to get refocused. To, to hone in and, and tighten things back up that sometimes can get loose. This week I want to talk about vision or the vision of this church. Why we do what we do. Why do we do what we do? Why, why is there even a church here? What are we here for? So we're going to do some revision. If you've ever been in college, how many of y'all like a good review before the test? All our Bible college students, they start, they have their first final Tuesday night. Oh, and they're going to be wanting a little bit of time before the test so that they can review. Please, professor, give me just a little bit of time for a review. Right? And sometimes we need to revisit or, or have a revision about why we do what we do. Whenever the Lord called us to start this church, I was sitting at Preen Lake uh, at my in-law's house. It was about 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'd gotten up just to, felt like the Lord wanted me to get up. How many of the Lord's ever woke you up before? And sometimes I'd go back to sleep. But not this time. I got up. And I went and sat in the green room, a room that's painted green. He said, this will be the next place you'll live. You'll start a church. I got really nervous. And all the air kind of felt like went out of my stomach. I just got really nervous. And and then I started thinking, why? I'd never considered Lake Charles. Why? You know how many churches are in Lake Charles? Hundreds and hundreds. No joke. There's over 300 churches in Lake Charles. So my first thought is, why in the world? Why, Why here? And then the next thought, I was thinking, my wife is not going to be happy because she's from here. And she said she didn't ever want to come back, right? And then the next thought I thought is, why not Barbados? (laughs) Why not Fiji? I mean, come on, let's go. There's people that are, that they need the gospel. Sorry, just good. They need the gospel in Puerto Rico. I mean, they need a guy like me standing on the beach preaching the gospel to them. Why not? Why not? The Lord said, this will be the next place you'll live. This will be the next, next place that you'll live. And uh, so, so why do we exist as a church? Why do we do what we do? And the, the first reason is, is because God loves you. God puts you in the body of Christ and he puts you in a local assembly and it's our job just to always be re, uh, re-emphasizing God's love for you. He has an intense, intense love for you. He has a longing on the inside of him for you. And if you're like me, you wonder why. I ask the Lord, I say, why do you love me so much? Why do you care so much about me? Why do you visit me? Why do you speak to me? Man, I've done, I've done, I've, I feel like the Apostle Paul, he says, I'm the least of all the sinners. He says, I'm the worst out of everybody. And he says, and I'm the least of all the preachers. That's the Apostle Paul. That was his estimation. And yet, how many of you know God visited him and God ministered to him? God chased him down. And I ran from the Lord. And maybe you're like me. I said, man, I just ran from God. But God pursued me. He just came after me. He has an intense love for you. The Apostle Paul, he prayed in the book of Ephesians. He said, one thing I'm praying for. He says, I'm praying that you'll understand what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. 
so that you might be filled with the fullness of God. One of the main prayers that Paul prayed for his people was that so that they could, they could understand the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. He just runs out of adjectives talking about how much God loves us, how he pursues us. The Bible says that he's carved us in the palm of his hand. The Bible says that he thinks about you more than all of the sand in the oceans. That's a lot of thoughts. The hairs on your head are numbered. How many of y'all know sometimes we forget these things? God has an intense white hot in the book of Revelations. He says it's a white hot love, passionate longing for you you are his fix he's an addict there's a there's a county i'm about to watch a documentary on the that has the most uh, uh most ods per day it's a county in virginia and it's about a documentary of three different women one's a emt and one's uh, a, a judge and one's an attorney and they're not satisfied with their county being overrun with addiction and they're trying to help this addiction. And there is an addiction that can be so powerful in people. And I want you to know God, he is addicted to you. He thinks about you incessantly. How many of y'all know if you wake up at 1.45 in the morning, you say, hey, God will be right there. He'll say, hey. And there's billions of people on the planet right now. And yet you wake up and you say, hey. And he'll come right into your bedroom and say, hey. How does he do that? He's waiting. He longs. He joneses for you. You're his fix. He goes crazy for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. And you will call upon me and I will answer you. Put, Je put Jeremiah 29, 11 up there. Come on, we're going to look at it. While we exist as a church, it's my job is just constantly be putting before you how intense God has a love for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, And I'm going to read it out of New King James Version. Y'all got it? In Jesus' name. Be healed. And... All right, there you go. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Everybody say me. This is how God thinks about you. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a future for you. God has a hope for you. He's not thinking evil towards you. He's not thinking judgment towards you. He's thinking, he says, I'm thinking about you all the time. I'm pursuing you. I'm chasing you. There was a time whenever I used to work on a, on a tugboat thing on the Mississippi River. And I only lasted there a, a, few, a few days. Honestly, I couldn't, st I, I couldn't stay there because I wasn't really serving the Lord. I wasn't living for the Lord. And, but, but the Lord would visit me on that barge. He'd say, I got something for you. Got something for you. I know you're running from me, but I'm pursuing you. I'm hard after you. I'm following, I'm following hard after you is what scripture says. And he is that towards you. We all know John 3, 16. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all know sometimes we need to revision? We need to revisit why we do what we do. For God so loved the world. But I'm going to read it to you in the amplified version. 
John 3.16, in the Amplified Version, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I'm going to read it to you in message version. It says, this is how much God loves the world. He gave his son, his, own, his one and only. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole lasting life. Why don't we have a church? So that we can tell people, listen, you can have a whole lasting life. You can be shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. You can be made whole no matter what's happened to you. He says God didn't go to all of the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. And anyone who refuses to trust in him as, has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. There's a, there's, a, there's a book in the Old Testament called Hosea. And I don't know if you've ever read it. It's an interesting book. It's, it's, a, it's a hard book to read because Hosea came to... Uh, uh, the Lord came to Hosea and he said, Hosea, I want you to, I have an assignment for you, a special assignment. And he says, I'm, your assignment is, I want you to be a living testimony. I want you to be an illustrated sermon. If you go to church here much, you know I bring objects up here just to try to help make a point. And God told Hosea, he says, you're going to be, you're the object. And he says, I want you to marry a prostitute. That's your job. That's your assignment. I want you to marry a prostitute. And you're going to find that this woman is going to keep leaving you and going out and finding other partners. But you, you have to keep pursuing her and you have to keep taking her back in. I mean, I know that's a tough assignment. So if you read the book of Hosea, it's really sad and depressing because you see him. He's longing for his wife. He's leaving his house and he's going out and he's trying to find her. He's pursuing her. He's chasing after her and he's trying to woo her back home. He's like, please come home. Please come home. How much do I have to pay you to come back home? Please come home. And he would get her home and then she would go out again. And God says, you can never stop pursuing her. You always want your bride to come home at all costs. Just come home to me. You're my bride. And God said, your life is going to be a testimony that this is how I pursue my bride. Even whenever they go and they attach themselves to other things. And they, they go and they, uh, uh, they, they have idols is what he would call them. False idols. And they shack up or they hook up with other things. You're always pursuing I want you to know God's always pursuing you. So we exist as a church just to always be helping people know what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. The second reason why we exist is because God loves people other than you. I mean, I know God loves others. God loves people besides you. In other words, not every sermon that we preach is for you. Well... Not every song that we sing is for you. Not everything that we do, right? There's be some series that don't, that don't speak to you. 
That's because they speak to some other people. Not everything we do is just for what's happening here. It's for what's happening outside of here. Because Jesus gave in one chapter, one chapter, Jesus told three different parables, but they're all the same idea. And the first parable is called the parable of the lost sheep. The second parable is called the parable of the lost coin. And the third parable is the parable of the prodigal son. And we all know the prodigal, right? And the, and the one, there's the lost coin. And that just means he says, Jesus said that there's a woman that loses some money. And she tears her house up looking for money. How many ever lost your credit card before? How many of y'all know you tear some stuff up? How many ever lost your paycheck before? Lord have mercy. Give me back my paycheck. You call your wife. You get your kids. You get out flashlights. You're looking up under. Why, baby? That's my paycheck, baby. And then whenever you find it, what do you do? Hey. <laughs> the world is your oyster. We can go to Outback now. Right? I mean, <laughs> Friday night lights. Here we come. Why? Because you found that lost money. And, and, the, and Jesus said, Jesus said, that's the way my kingdom is. And then he gives the parable of the prodigal. And the prodigal goes out and, and by his own free will, he goes just like the prostitute did for Hosea. Goes out and says, I'm not interested in you. I want to go do my thing. I mean, I know we've all told the Lord that before. I'm not interested in you. I want to go do my thing. But there came a point where he came home and they threw another party. And then the last one is, is the parable of the sheep. And we've all heard this before, but I'm going to read it to you because this is in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse number one. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners came and listened to Jesus teach. I'm going to read that again because these were the rejects, the outcasts. These are people that are not in church. They're sinners. They're crooks. They were notorious sinners, but they liked Jesus. I believe if you're preaching the right stuff, you'll attract everybody. Jesus attracted everybody. Everywhere he went, kids loved him. Teenagers thought he was awesome. Everywhere he went, if he was holding services, the services were there. I mean, people were there. They loved him. Even sinners, it said, but this made the Pharisees or the church people, the teachers of religious law, they would complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And Jesus told them this story. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Will he not leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? He will call together his friends and neighbors Oh, I'm sorry, it says, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns. You want to know what, what, what really cranks God's tractor? This stuff right here. <laughs> that cranks his tractor. It does. This is the stuff. This is what he he. Goes nuts for this stuff. I mean, I think we should go nuts for what he goes nuts for. This is what, I mean, in one chapter, he's just saying, he says, he says, I'll tear the house up. I will flip furniture to find one coin if I could find it. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I'll leave 99 just to find one. Even if they go out on their own and they blow all their money and they, 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 they refuse me, I'll still welcome them home and throw them a party. God is jacked up for people. He loves you, but he loves others. 
And I don't know about you, but it, uh, my kids, how many of how y'all, if you have kids, and if they're young kids, or maybe you can relate, uh, you have graded papers. How many of I wish we could go back to graded papers? How many of I remember walking in and giving your parents the graded papers? I got my graded papers, and either that was a good day or a bad day, right? If you had all the good papers, it was like, I got graded papers, got graded. And if it, was, if it wasn't a good day, it was, you know, it was a bad day, right? And maybe, maybe you opened up the staple and tried to take the bad papers out, put it back. How many of y'all did that? I did that. Guilty. Yes. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Yeah, forge the parent signature. Yes, yes, that's bad. But, but my kids, just day before yesterday, Noel comes in and he's got his graded papers. And I'm flipping through the papers and it says 100, 100, 99, 98, you know. And then he had a C and then, of course, the F's at the bottom, you know. He's, and he's, but I'm go, I, at the 100, I go, that's good, that's good. At 99, I go, that's good. 98, I go, that's good. And for us, for me, I just think 99's good. I mean, I know it's not good for Jesus. He says, I'm not satisfied with 99. I'm not satisfied. He is not satisfied with 99 out of 100. He says, I want all of them. They're the sheep of my pasture. My pasture. They're my sheep. And he says, I'll leave the 99. Which, what that means for us is that means he likes what we do here. But not all of his attention is here. Most of his attention is on the people that are outside of here. Right, we get real caught up with this. I'm gonna make it to church today, even though it's till season. I'm still going, and God will give you a big attaboy. But the majority of His affection is, He says, "I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm trying to get other people into my fold, into my presence." So we exist as a church because God loves other people. So we're always trying to pursue them. And and Jesus said, He says, "The sick, He says, the healthy don't need a physician." Only the sick people need a physician. That just means there's people that are sick. And Jesus said, they're the ones that need my help. So our job as a church is to love on you, but also be doing whatever we can to bring other people into a relationship with God. Why do we do that? Because we know, we know he's got the goods. He's got the goods for kids. He's got the goods for teenagers. He's got the goods for divorced people. He's got the goods for people that are addicts. He's got the goods for people that are oppressed, that are on a whole bunch of anxiety pills. He's got the goods. He's got what they need. And if they'll just seek, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this. He says, he says if, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. So what we're trying to do is just bring, play, just help people understand. If you'll just seek, you will find. You will find. Whatever you seek for, knock and the door will be open. This is red letters. We don't have red letters up there. But Jesus, this is the words of Jesus. He says, if, whatever, whatever you ask will be given. Whatever you seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. That means everyone. That means everyone who asks what? receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open I put in your worship God I love this translation it just says what you seek you will find whatever you're seeking you're gonna find whatever if you're seeking peace you can find it 
If you're seeking grace, if you're seeking hope, if you're seeking love, if you're seeking forgiveness, whatever it is that you're seeking, Jesus guarantees, he says, as long as you're seeking, you can find it. But how many of y'all know seeking is a purposeful thing? It's something that you do on purpose. It's not something that you do on accident. But God says, if you'll seek, you can and you will I'll make sure that you find me. So the ways that we help people, we try to help people here at the church. And it's important that you know this, why we do what we do. Is is we have different, uh, we call it connect, grow, lead. We try to help people connect. We try to help people grow. And then we try to help people lead. This is what we do. So what's your church all about? We're, 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 We're about connecting, growing, and leading. I don't know what all the other 300 churches in this town are about, but we're about connecting with you and connecting you with each other. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. And, and if you know anything about the body, your body works better assembled. Believe it or not, your body does its best work when it's assembled. You start whacking pieces off of it and things just don't work that well. But we're a body and God wants us to be assembled. And there's certain things that the Lord will not tell you unless he tells it through somebody else that you're supposed to be in relationship with. I'm convinced one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, God, why didn't you tell me? And he's going to say, I told it to your small group leader and you weren't there so you didn't hear it. I told it on August 14th on a Sunday morning, the word that you needed was there. It was there. But you weren't there. God requires most of the, a lot of the time whenever God speaks to us, he speaks through the body. That's what the body's there for. We are the body of Christ. We get information from the head. He's the head. And we are his body. The next thing we do is we help people grow. The way that we help people grow here is we have grow classes. We don't just have, and I listed them for you in, in, your, in your worship guide. We have grow classes. We have our, our regular Sunday morning services. And we have our first Thursday services. We have shindigs. Shindigs what we call small groups. People grow in small groups. People grow in our shindigs. And, and the, the ladies, they're growing, I can tell you. The guys in model men, they'll grow. The, the college guys, they're growing. That's how we help people grow, through classes, through services, through shindigs, through special events. Jen Tringal or the ladies going to shine. All the ladies came back from shine all jacked up, right? Woo, King Jesus! They're ready to rock, right? From, from events, whether we have men's meetings, whatever. We have events that will help you that are designed to help you grow. And we have corporate prayer up here at the church six days out of the week that's designed for you to come and help connect with God. Last thing we do is, is we lead. We help people move from just, once you grow, we want you to move into leading. Be a leader. God wants you to be a leader in this community. I was in some meetings last week with my pastor, and she said something uh, pretty, pretty strong, but it really helped me. And she was talking to a group of pastors, and she basically said, the Lord did not send you to your town to build a nice little house on a hill, drive a nice little car, join the PTA, and bring your kids to soccer. The Lord sent you to that town to push back hell. The Lord sent you to that town. To, to introduce heaven. You're on an assignment, a divine assignment, and you'll be accountable to it. You'll be held to that standard before God. You're on an assignment, and you're not there just to fit in. You're not there to blend in. 
you're there on assignment. And I can tell you this church is on an assignment. It's an assignment. And I, I feel it in my guts. We're all, we, we face as a, as a church lots of opposition. We just do. Just spiritual opposition. We just, we just, we just do. And I'm okay with that. I own it because Jesus said that's how you know you're doing something right. If, you ain't do, if, you, if, if, if everything's easy, you're not following me. You're not. He says, in this life, you will have persecution. And if you aren't having it, something's gone wrong. You aren't following me appropriately. So we as a church, we just kind of own it. That's why we have prayer six days a week. It's because there is a such thing. There is a spiritual warfare. There is an unseen reality. There are angels and there are demons. And, if, when we, and you can't coast. We as a church, we can't coast. So we, we just take up arms and, and we go forward. And, but because why? Because we, we want people to connect. We want people to grow. We want people to lead. The way you lead, you can join Bible college. is the newest way uh, that, that you can lead. You can join the GO team. We'll have a meeting tonight. Instead of just uh, coming to church, you, you, you get involved. And we're expanding our GO team all the time because we always try to be better. Every week I want to be better. Just get better. Why? Because he's worth it. He's following, seeking me. So I, I have a debt to pay. God, I'll seek you with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. And then we do that through also through leading small groups, people that want to lead a small group. So I've, I've, I've attended 19 small groups. Maybe you should lead one. If you've attended that many, you've probably seen some good ones and some bad ones. Take what you've learned and lead one. Connect, grow, lead. So why do we do what we do? Because God loves you. Why do we do what we do? Because God loves people besides you. And he'll leave a lot to go after them, find them, pursue them. And once he finds them, he doesn't leave us the same. How many of y'all know that? He don't leave you the same. Why? Because you're messed up. You are. Welcome to the club. I'm the president. You can be in my club. You can be the secretary. You are messed up. You are in your mind, in your body, in your life, in relationships. But he's got the answers. And he says, if you, whatever you seek for, you will find. And I think, how I many of y'all know lots of times we're waiting on Jesus? How I many of y'all know he is not waiting on, on, you're not waiting on him. He is absolutely 100% waiting on you. He's waiting on you to knock. So the door can be opened. He's waiting on you to seek. So that you can find. He's waiting on you to ask. So that you can receive. He's absolutely waiting on you.